you know, he is seeing this as his baseline. This is the first time I'm seeing a naked body in my life of yeah. a woman. Wow. And she has no head. Well, before so. we get too into the next part, we do have a two ounces of liquid to consume. Surprise shot. Surprise shot. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. That was a different key than normal. You didn't even say cheers. You're just doing your own shit. Sorry. I went for it. Cheers. Where did that phrase come from? Cheers. I don't know. I feel like it's an Irish term since they're all drunk. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like well wishes. Like we're taking this, like you're like, because we always cheers people and it's like wishing them. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. We'll I forgot how us. good that tasted. Yeah, yeah that that's what she said. And I was like, oh my God, stop. Just keep going with the story, please. Before or after the yeast infection? Uh, oh. Well, I just want to know, like, like I know you're talking about, I, I know I started to say this. I'm just intrigued by the fact that he was spooked by this notion that Christ saved this girl because, like, as a Christian, as a Catholic, like, I always, like, if, it, you know, you hear of people encountering demons and, and, you know, and the devil and they always call on God or one of the saints or Jesus or Mary, whoever, to help them during that time. And and instead of calling on Satan to help him, like, strengthen himself, he got spooked and ran away like a little pussy. So you'd rather him stay there and finish the job? No, no. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like... He was he was more... He was. It's interesting that he was more afraid of Jesus, God, whatever, than feeling like he had Satan to back him up. No, all right. So growing up, he knew that Satan could never win. Yeah, Satan has his back, but at the end of the day, he knew that Satan... So, this guy... Then what's the point of worshipping him if you know he's not going to win? If he's going to lose, yeah. What's the point? Who wants to worship a loser, you know? Take a guess. How many head wounds do you think this guy had? Wounds or, like, injuries? Head injuries. Mm, seven. Because that's, I think, where I'm at. Or eight. Does anyone else out there believe that the serial killer and head injury thing is related? I don't know. Mm. Personally, I don't know. Like, it's seems like... No, because I'm not a serial killer. Yeah. You know, most serial killers start around their late 20s and where your age is now. So you may... You still have a chance. I think the best place to start this is May 4th, 1975. We're going to 3024 Frutus Street. This is in El Paso. So three... Remember this, 3024 Frutus Street. We're in uh, we're in Texas right now. Everything's bigger in Texas. This is apparently where we're going. All my exes live in Texas, but so it must be empty. Do you know who's... <laughs> God, does this drive you nuts? Like these trash dumpsters are not some... Like, put them straight. Oh, what the fuck? Like, like who does that, dude? Oh, where are you at, Jen? I'm right here, dude. There you are. Can, like, you, see, can you see my face? No. Here, this way. So this is uh, used to be an apartment building. 1972. We're going to Frutus Avenue. And God, look at this mega church. God, I wish I owned a mega church. I don't. Can you please keep going with the story and stop talking about your religious cult fever? Is that the whole purpose? The whole point of his dream is that he's going to start a cult now? <sighs> Help us. 
So it is 1975. Richard Ramirez is 11 years old at this point. Little Richie. Now, Little Richie growing up was quite a looker. He's He was a pretty good looking boy. And even Whitney Bennett said that we it, just talked said about. Said he was attractive or yeah. good looking. Yep. But let's try to figure out how he became that way. So he has this cousin, this older cousin, Miguel Valles. And I talked a little bit about this. He's also known as Mike. Mm-hmm. But this man served in Vietnam, a special forces soldier. And he served and with distinction. Miguel, not Richard. Correct. Miguel, his cousin. But this cousin is extremely influential on young Richie. So at this point in the story, May 4th, 1975, Miguel's two kids are there and Richie is in in the basement. They're all down there playing pool. Richie goes up to the refrigerator to get like an ice cold one and he sees a revolver sitting in there. And he's like, what is, you know, what is this revolver? Like, why is this in here? This is weird. Miguel said that he's just keeping it cool because he's about to use it. About to use it. He says, all right, I guess. What Richie didn't know is Miguel, who has just came back from Vietnam and has not been to the VA to get any sort of mental treatment, is struggling with his demons. And his wife, Jesse, has been bitching at him for all kinds of stupid stuff. Like, get a job. I don't need a job, he says, because the army thinks I'm 100% disabled PTSD because when I was in Vietnam, as special forces soldier, out of 20 of us in my unit, I came back with one other guy. All 18, all the other 18 were slaughtered. Wow. And I survived with one other guy. Very traumatic. Yeah. So I don't need a job. I'm getting disability pension. But she's just been bitching and bitching and bitching. Now, Jesse was, she was very strong-willed, good-looking woman, but she had just kind of had enough of this man, Miguel. Mm. So at this point, he sees this gun in the fridge and he's like, what? What is this? Like, what is this for? Also, like, why is it in the fridge? Mm. Yeah. Well, I did look that up. There is no effing reason. Because that shocked me, too. I was like, why? I've never heard anyone keeping a gun in the fridge. The only reason I found was people that have guns all over the house. They put one in the fridge. Kind of like someone hiding their money in the fridge, right? People hide money in the fridge? Apparently, yeah. Really? So if someone breaks in, you have a gun, you pull it out the freezer. But there's no other benefit to it. It even is detrimental to it because it can grow mold. I would, yeah, I would imagine. It's yeah, bad like some it. humidity yeah. and all that nonsense. And, and the, the freezing of the bullets actually make them less effective. So I was like, what the fuck? Why was this being here? Mm. But e- either way, Jessie comes downstairs and she has all these groceries in her hand and she just starts bitching. Now, keep in mind, his two little kids, two to three years old, are down there. Richie, which is about 12 years old at this time, playing pool. They're all just kind of shooting the shit. Jesse comes down bitching. You can't, you need to get a job. Why do I have to go to a grocery store? Look at all this stuff I'm carrying. You didn't even help me carry it in. And Miguel says, wait, wait, a, wait a minute, honey. Just one second. He goes into the fridge. He pulls out that revolver and he points it right at Jesse. Right, right at her head. Now the kids are watching. Richie's watching. And Jesse's like, whatever. What are you going to do with that? You're not going to do shit. You're not going to fucking do shit. You're not going to shoot me. Like, I'm tired of this shit. And all of a sudden, he pulls the trigger. Boom. Wow. Shoots her right in the forehead. The bullet entered just above her lip and exited the back of her head. Dead. She hit the ground hard, a finger of blood squirting from her wound as her body shook, trembled, and quaked in the death's final embrace. So that was his older cousin. Richie was right there when he saw that. I mentioned in a previous 
episode that Miguel would show Richie these Polaroids of his time in Vietnam mm-hmm. when he was raping these Vietnamese women. And we're going to get into that now. But he just witnessed this woman get shot right in the head. Boom. Fell over dead right there. I mean, at 12 years old, you Jeez. know, that is not, not normal. Now, he would spend four years. Miguel would spend four, the next four years of his life in a mental institution. But ultimately, a few years later, he was let out hmm. because he was incompetent to stand trial. He was a war hero. He, you know, decorated war hero, had a lot of respect, and he had a lot of problems. He didn't go to the VA for mental treatment, and he needed it. So this was a fluke. So now the cousin who Richie looks up to just basically got a slap on the wrist for shooting someone, shooting his wife in the head right in front of his kids. Mm. So you see this article, a couple articles I found about this. Woman critical husband in jail, Miss Josefina Valles, 3024 Frutas Avenue, lay in critical condition today at Thomason General Hospital with a pistol wound to the head. Her husband, Miguel Angel Valles, 25, was in jail charged with aggravated assault and neighbors called police after they heard a shot and heard Valles screaming, I've killed my wife. Mm. Suspect found mentally incompetent for trial. For the second time, a district court jury has found Miguel A. Valles mentally incompetent to stand trial on felony charges, this time on a charge of murder in a fatal shooting of his wife, Josefina. So he got, I mean, he was sent for treatment and he basically a slap on the wrist for doing that. Isn't that nuts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's just know that Miguel, the older cousin, had a lot of influence on young Richie. Now I'm going to go through his background kind of quick. All right, because this is the boring part. But Richie was the last born of five, three boys and one girl. The father, Mexican, extremely religious of the Catholic, Catholic faith. The first son, Ruben, was born sickly. Now, this is what I found about this family, the Ramirez family. Where they were born, and they lived in Juarez, Mexico, but they moved to El Paso. Where they were born and where they eventually moved was real close to where the U.S. was doing nuclear testing Hmm, for nuclear bombs. Got it. And at the time, the U.S. said, no, don't worry about it. This isn't going to affect you, your kids, or whatever. But now we know that the radiation fallout, which means the radiation carried by the wind and the air, did affect many families. And many families were born with children born with defects of all sorts because of the radiation fallout. Mm -hmm. So the first two sons were born sickly and deformed. Reuben was just very sickly born. The next son, Joseph, had cholera's disease, which is very painful. The bones actually grow curved. So the bones are curving as they're growing. That's got to be extremely painful. Yeah. You know, as you're getting older, your bones are curving. Oh my God, right? Holy shit. Mm. He was actually put in an incubator and the family praying to a priest and praying to Jesus Christ every night. Reuben was supposed to die, but thanks to God, God saved him. Mm. All right. Now, like I said, living in El Paso and around the area in 1950s was very common to have multiple diseases like that. Mm. Looking at the father's life, Julian, looking at his life, he did everything he can to live the American dream. They were born in Juarez and he worked his ass off and his dream was to marry a beautiful woman, which he did and have some sons, which he did. He had three sons and one daughter. Mm -hmm. But however, once he gets to El Paso, gets his immigration license, he starts to see the American dream isn't what it's cracked up to be. And the U.S. doesn't treat the Mexican-Americans the same. And they're working so hard doing stuff like laying railroad track and stuff like that. And they're still struggling. It's really hard to raise kids like that. It really took a 
toll on him. So at face value, Julian was a very good father, but the stress of trying to raise a family in these conditions, especially with sons that need surgery, like it seems like every son has these problems. It's just, it's too much. Mm. So eventually he started drinking and would have violent tendencies. Mm. This isn't sounding so great, you know, of a lottery for, for little Richard. Little Richard, yeah. So the mother needed to work to support all these surgeries and stuff. So the mother got a job at Tony Lama. The cowboy boots. The cowboy boots because they had three boys at this time. Oh, she should have shopped at Johnny Lama's. At the time, Tony Lama boots, they were using very strong chemicals that they didn't know was dangerous. So she's ingesting these chemicals and these mixed pigments for this coloring all day long without proper ventilation or proper mask. Mm. It got so bad for these women doing this, paint painting these boots with these different mixtures of chemicals that they were depressed when they weren't at work. They would go home on the weekends and get depressed and really, because they were addicted to these chemicals. Right. That's what it was. And these chemicals were actually affecting their genetics and their DNA. So Richie was actually born to one of these chemical chemical effects. Yeah, they escaped the fallout zone when Richie was born, but his mother was huffing chemicals, not on purpose, but that's her, from job, her job. From her job. When Richard was born. Wow. So Richie actually didn't want to be born. The, the baby didn't want to come out because the mother was ingesting all these chemicals. A, mm. a doctor who also cost them money to go see said that these chemicals have given her severe health problems and Richie as a baby refused to come out of the mother wow. with these health problems. So in order for him to be born, she had to stop going to work. If she didn't stop going to work, Richie would die in the womb. Wow. She stopped going to work and then he comes out. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You can see that that's not good for his genetic makeup or whatever. Right. Wow. It's just, I don't know. That's crazy. Crazy. Let's talk about the head wounds right quick. A lot of people think that head wounds and serial killers go hand in hand. I don't know. I mean, I don't don't really know. A lot of them do have head wounds. So we're going to go over it anyway. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's important. I think it probably depends on the, like, the force of trauma on these on these head injuries. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if I would say that they're hand in hand. At two years old, he was nearly killed. Little Richie. Little Richie loved music. Mm. He loved music. No matter what it was, even as a baby, he would dance and want to turn that radio on. And he he grows up listening to music mm-hmm. all the time in his headphones and stuff ACDC like that. ACDC and stuff yeah. like that. So at an early age, he went to turn the radio on and it was on top of this dresser. So what did he do? He pulled the all the drawers out like a little ladder like you would do. Mm-hmm. He tried to turn the radio on and this dresser fell on top of him. Dang. At two years old, a gash in his head, unconscious for at least at least 15 minutes, 30 stitches. Jeez. Yeah. Now, the other boys were much older and the family dynamic at the time, they started having their own problems. They started having discipline problems, breaking and entering. They started doing crimes. They started sniffing glue. That became like a regular in the household. And at the time, the father wasn't there to be the disciplinarian because he's out laying track for the railroad for several weeks. Mm -hmm. So these kids were sniffing glue and poor Richie was in the hospital with stitches in his head. Jeez. When the father would come home, he would be 
beat the children because they were they, they were dropping out of school, not going to school. They were there were problems, the glue and stuff like that. As a young young lad, six year old, he would see his father brutally beating these kids. And the Mexican tradition back then, especially, was strong discipline, mm-hmm. beating. And the thing is, at this point, Julian the father had gotten to be an alcoholic, and he just could not control his anger. He would be so angry at some points he would even beat himself. There was a time when he was changing the the water faucet and he couldn't get the, the actual plug in right. So he took the hammer and started beating himself in the head with it until his own head started to bleed. Dang he would geez. beat his head on the wall and start to bleed if things didn't go his way. He would take all that anger out on the children. Shaking six-year-old Richard again heard the blows breaking on his brother's body as he pleaded with his father to stop. Ruth went to Richard and held him while his mother prayed. So after all of this, seeing his brothers getting beat and having the first head wound, when he was five years old, he went to a nearby park. His older sister, Ruth, was there and he was so excited. He ran up to her and she was swinging on the swings. All of a sudden, she goes back and comes right forward and bam, collides right with Richie's head. He falls over unconscious and has to be carried to the hospital. That's the second head wound he's got. Wow. In fifth grade, that's when the epilepsy started. These are most likely caused from the head wounds. I used to sit behind Richard, said classmate Patricia Caspi. He always was turning around and playing little jokes on me. The day I saw him have the first attack, we were taking a math test. He fell down on the floor and started cursing and his eyes rolled to the top of his head. So he would have petite mall and grand mall seizures from now on. He even was kicked off the football team. He was a quarterback in high school of the football team Mm -hmm. and he was really good. He's tall. He's very well built, just like his father. But he was kicked off for having these grand mal seizures, which he could not help help anyway. So they would notice that he would be staring at something for 10 to 15 minutes without even moving or speaking or even knowing what was happening. He would lose time. Those are called petite mal seizures. His two older brothers were put in slow classes. I don't know what you call them nowadays. Handicap classes? Sped classes? Special education classes? Both his older brothers were put in special education classes and that's when the Ramirez had a a good influence. A teacher that actually decided to take them in and get them on the right track. This teacher, Frank McMahon, he was a special ed teacher. He noticed that the Ramirez were on the wrong track. He wanted to fix that because he didn't want them to grow up, you know, criminals. Right. So Frank McMahon, a learning disabilities teacher, he decided to not only tutor the Ramirez boys, but also it would be disclosed that he did a little more than tutor. He actually loved little boys and he started molesting all the Ramirez brothers, including eight-year-old Richie. Oh no, I don't like that. A special ed teacher molesting his students. That's uh, that's something. Now, what a human. That's, that's, what a human. All right, let's talk about his cousin, Miguel. Mike, that's what they call him. Street fighter, big guy, intense anger problems. I said that out of 20 special forces soldiers, he was only one of two to come home. He has 29 known kills over there. He became such a big influence on Richie and all the stories that he had overseas, he passed along. Mike grew to actually enjoy war. When the American soldiers learned that the Viet Cong believed they 
wouldn't ascend to heaven if they lost a body part before dying, the soldiers began mutilating their bodies. It was not uncommon to see an American soldier with a necklace of human ears. The raping of the enemy's women was commonplace too, and Mike had more than his share of Viet Cong women. So under his bed, he had a shoebox filled with these Polaroids of him. For instance, one of them, like a series of three, let's say this is a series of three. The first Polaroid would be of a young Vietnamese woman giving him fellatio. He's smiling and holding a 45 caliber revolver to her head as oh she's doing God. that. The God. second, the second photo would be of him raping said woman. And these photos would be of her headless without her head. So he would cut off the head. Oh my God. Little Richie, now eight to 12 years old, especially like 11, like maybe like 10 to 12, let's say that is when a boy starts getting these sexual feelings and masturbation or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what, you know, he is seeing this as his baseline. Here's a woman getting raped. This is the first time I'm seeing a naked body in my life of yeah. a woman wow. and she has no head. Yeah. The next thing he would pull out is the woman's actual head. Miguel took eight heads back with him. What? From Vietnam. They figured out how to shrink them. I don't know how they do that with like uh, dehydrate them and shrink them. What? Oh, like the like the ones that they sell in the shops and stuff? He would cut off the heads of the women and use them as pillows and he would show Richie their head. Sorry, the first thing, now this is 10-year-old, uh... this 10-year-old Richie, he is getting excited about women. There's a, a local girl down the street. He's like wondering, you know, I kind of like her, like, like her. I wonder what she looks like naked. And then Miguel comes back and says, hey, Richie, here's me getting a blowjob from this Vietnamese woman with a 45 caliber to her head. I'm smiling. Here's a photo of me raping said woman without her head on because I just cut her head off and used it as a pillow. And now, Richie, here's her actual head. Uh, Yeah, no wonder he became so fucked up. I mean, I would say that would have more to do with it than head injury, but what do I know? Yeah. So the first body, the first naked woman you see does have, doesn't have a head. So if you need material to masturbate with as a child, the only material you have available are Polaroid pictures of one of your family members raping a headless body. It kind of, you know, what does that do to your psyche? Yeah, yeah. You're effed up forever. Or here's a thought, like don't show your 10 year old nephew, cousin, whatever family member doing, like don't show them that. Like Miguel told Richard once about killing, quote, having power over life and death was a high and incredible rush. It was godlike. You controlled who lived and died. You were God. Now, you keep in mind, Miguel was a decorated war hero to, to America. He ain't no hero in my book after hearing this shit. Yeah, no way. But that's what they were doing over there, right? So the Some first, of them, yeah. The first time you see a naked woman, he was sucking off your older cousin's dick and the next one, he is fucking her head or fucking her body without a head. And then, hey, I actually got her head. You know, it's like show and tell Richie's 10 year, ten to 12 years old and now he he's thinking of that pretty little girl down the street now without a head because mm. he's so mixed up with yeah. his images with what here. It, and, and like that's what he thinks is normal right yeah so really quickly he developed this this these sexual fantasies at 10 to 12 years old of raping headless women because that's what he's seeing at the time that was his porn at the time mm. 
And he he started getting excited by all of his older cousin's stories, all the, the rape and stuff. He would actually go home and masturbate thinking of that. So, and, and all of it's like terrible rape stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And now keep in mind, the whole family is extremely religious. I want to say this. When Miguel shot his wife in front of every, all, all the kids, the mother of Jesse tries to get the grandchildren from him, from Miguel and the Ramirez family. Yep. They wouldn't give the grandchildren up to her because she was apparently crazy. She goes to a Mexican witch doctor, a black doctor, and cast a spell, a very powerful dark black magic spell on Julian, mm-hmm. the father. Julian was very tall, much like Richard, very built, very good looking, perfect health, never had any health problems. As soon as she cast that spell on him, he falls ill and is basically an invalid. Oh, interesting. He goes to countless hospitals. He's lethargic. He can't do anything at all. He is just, no doctor could tell what was wrong with him. Right. It was only when his wife goes to another Mexican doctor who practices white magic and pays a pretty penny to get a spell that witch doctor visited him in the hospital and it's like, okay, yeah, there's a spell here. There's a spell on him. He actually got paid to release that spell and as soon as he did it in the hospital, Julian, the father, got up like nothing happened. Like he was perfectly fine. Wow. So think about so, that so now. They're, they're believing that there's good and evil. They're real. Exactly. So Richie is getting all this too yeah. Yeah. as a young age. But here's the thing. They, they all grow up to believe Jesus. But, and this is the very important part. Jesus would not like me to be thinking about raping headless women. Okay. What part, what part of Jesus would accept that? None. No part. Well, actually, if you, if you like listen, like obviously he would prefer you not to want to do those things, but he, ex- he accepts you at your flaws and he forgives. Like that's the whole. Uh, that's what every, that's what every I'm, prisoner who's ever murdered yeah, somebody says. What, Jesus forgives me. He, but he, but no, but like he is forgiving, but you have to actually want to repent to be forgiven. But I mean, like he, he, like he, like the thing is that like, I get what he's saying. He's like, Jesus doesn't want me to do this. But like, if you actually know anything, like, like, like they, they, they preach forgiveness and, and. Not and, in the Mexican Catholic religion. The, the, you're talking about the Americanized religion. No, no. Catholicism is Roman, Roman Catholicism. So if I go rape and kill a bunch of women, I, I can be forgiven and go to heaven. I mean, obviously that's not a good thing. You're not following the commandments, but yes, they like, that's the sacrament of, of reconciliation. You go and you, and your sins are forgiven. Like, like it's not saying, yeah, go ahead and go do all these things. Like, this is a good thing to do. This is following the commandments. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that like so God, what, what for, if, God forgives. What if Hitler was in the bunker and he was like, you know what, Jesus, will you forgive me for killing 6 million Jews? Would he go to heaven? If he, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think that's for you to say, Jen. I think I think let's just walk away from this conversation yeah. and say I think religion I think, is flawed. I think as a twelve year old boy, he thought that Jesus would banish him to hell. Well, yeah, I can see why, but I'm just saying. I'm just all right. Yeah, walk away. I'm walking away. I'm just the church and Jesus. He knew would frown deeply on such things, but he had no control over the whole process. He couldn't help become excited by Mike's photographs and stories. Satan, he began to believe, would have approved of the thoughts and feelings he was having, and he started to think maybe Satan would be 
a more appropriate God, a power for him to follow and worship. Now, this is the time leading up to the satanic panic, too. This is when you start having Judas Priest and all those bands come out, you know? Mm -hmm. So now he is masturbating for the first time, and the only material he has is headless Vietnamese women. Oh, boy. At the age of 10, he starts smoking weed, starts huffing glue like his brothers, you know? Now, I said the father was extremely violent sometimes Mm -hmm. and kind of teetered on discipline and abusiveness. There was a local cemetery called the Cordova Cemetery, and when Richie was young, 10 to 12 years old, his brothers are now 18, they moved out of the house, leaving old poor Richard there to get all the beatings. He quickly found out that he could hide whenever he needs to, and the only place his father would never think to look was in the cemetery. He began to sleep in the cemetery. He even lost his virginity in the cemetery. Interesting. So, and he thought something was magical about it. So that's basically his childhood. I know that was kind of boring. That, mm-hmm. No, it was very interesting in that, um, you know, kind of makes what he became less surprising. Let me talk three things right quick that some up Richard Ramirez. All right, three things, three bad influences. Ruth, his only sister, married a guy named Roberto, who was a peeping Tom. He would travel the neighbor, he would walk around the neighborhood, and he was obsessed with peeking on women, taking showers and undressing. He eventually started taking little Richie with them. Peeping Tom. Yeah, we wrong know- with this family, including their the little kids in their adventure, fucked up adventures. We know that Richie likes to do that. He's a prowler. Number two, Mike, killing deviant sex and hunting. Mike taught him all three of those things. He taught him how to sneak up on a victim, which he does so well. Yeah. He taught him how to kill a victim really quick and he taught him taught him about the deviant sex, like the no-head sex and shit like that. So, you got Peeping Tom, you got killing and hunting and sneaking around from Mike, and then the brothers, his older brothers taught him how to break and enter and steal from other people's homes. Those are the three things that make up Richard Ramirez and you can pinpoint every one of them to his family members, teaching them each one of those things. Jesus. The closer he drew towards Satan, the more estranged he became from society, as well as his parents. Richard began to conceive of Satan as a friend and an ally he could be himself with, share his inner thoughts with, and not be judged by. But then who's to say what is evil? A man's beliefs are his own business. Neither the church nor anybody else has any right to tell you how to think and how to act. That's what real freedom is about, to be able to be who you really are, not what you are expected or supposed to be. His brother moved out of the house and started living in Los Angeles. Richie goes and lives with him for the summer and was obsessed. He knew he was going to be in Los Angeles, the city of celebrities, the city of angels. That's where he was going to make his haunting grounds, right there. And he would spend summer after summer there until he finally got on the Greyhound bus and moved there before he was 18. Living in LA, there was a guy named Anton LaVey who started the Satanic Church. He called on this guy. Young Richie called on this man, Anton LaVey, and asked to meet him. He was so influenced by his writings that this man actually brought him into one of their meetings, their ceremonies. A little bit about Anton LaVey. He was a former circus promoter. Okay. So he knew the marketing of the circus and and what people think and and what gets people to, you know, and all and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So he went and did a ceremony with Anton LaVey and it was basically a bunch of naked women and naked men 
men and like a sacrifice of a woman, not actually killing her, but kind of portraying it in some kind of weird ritual thing. Mm -hmm. After that, Richie was so shocked because he's still trying to battle with himself, good or evil. He called his mother and said Satan is trying to get a hold of him. The mother goes to the priest and even to another witch doctor and tries to pray that her son not be taken over by Satan. Wow. So this is like religion is huge in this man right here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The thing about Satanism, no matter what you do, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. And it's so basically good is evil and evil is good. That's how Satanists think. If you kill someone, that's not bad. That's just as long as you're making yourself happy. You know, it's more promoting yourself. If you want to kill someone, then do it. No one's going to judge you. You can be who you want to be. If you want to rape someone, do it. That's what the Satan religion believes in. Let me tell you about the first time he actually raped a woman. This was when he was 16 years old and he's kind of a stout guy. He got a job at Holiday Inn and quickly would find himself pulling back the curtains and watching women, stalking them, even older women, and masturbating, watching them undress. He got bolder once and very quickly he decided to get a universal room key and actually try to to bind one up and rape her. And that was like his fantasy. He wanted, needed to have one of the women he'd been looking at through the windows and devised a plan. At the right moment, he would go into the room of a lone female, overpower her, blindfold her, bind her, and then have her the way he fantasized about constantly. The first victim, mid-20s, large breast and attractive. It was 1 a.m. She was in her bra and panties. He was only 15 years old. When she came out of the bathroom, he had already let himself in, was right there in the dressing closet, jumped on her, bound her, like put his hand over her mouth and started ripping off her clothes. What he did not know is that her husband, a very large, quote, fierce, jealous Mexican man, was on his way back. He just went out to get something to eat at the, you know, the wow. canteen. As soon as he walks in, he sees that his wife is about to be raped by this this boy that works at Holiday Inn. This man started beating Richard almost to the point of death. Wow. Richard, Too bad he didn't. Well, so that case was never tried because the the couple was from out of town and they refused to come back to testify. Uh. Richard didn't know why he had these uncontrollable desires involving bondage and rape, but they were there and he had no say over their comings or goings, just like with the epileptic attacks. He knew they were wrong and were against the church, but they, to him, were bigger than the church, bigger than life itself and not about to go away. So if you have these feelings, you can't just be like, okay, I'm not going to be like if you're gay and you have feelings about other men. You're a man. You can't just be like, okay, I'm going to stop having these feelings. Right. Cold, cold turkey. That's, right. That does not is not how it works. No. So just like being gay, if you have feelings about rape and bondage, you can't just be like, okay, no more rape and bondage thoughts because you can't do that. That's not how it works. Like in the Book of Mormon, turn it off like you know? light switch. <laughs> you guys would have liked that. So, and that's basically his childhood growing up. He eventually started taking, L- he eventually started taking LSD, peyote, and other hallucinogens. Mm. He And when he did that, he would actually see monsters that no one else would see. And these monsters that were like black figures would always go and rape women. Jesus. That is his background. It's kind of That crazy. is a wild background and upbringing. Mm. And again, it does make you kind of say like almost like not terribly 
surprised, I guess, at how he, who he became. Oh, yeah. So sad. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does just go to show how much your environment impacts who you are. Yeah. It was only when he moved to L.A. that he became addicted to his favorite drug, cocaine. One other thing that I wrote down, quote, the idea of having slaves appeal to him. He would frequently have dreams about being the master of many women sitting on a throne as they groveled obediently at his feet. Jesus. There, there is a long history of the family trying to rescue Richie because they knew Satan had him. And not because he was a criminal. That's the thing. Like the other brothers are criminals and they don't give a shit about them. They cannot wind up in jail, whatever. But it's only because Richie told his mom that Satan was about to get a hold of him. That's crazy. That they they try to rescue him. There's like a whole dialogue between all the family and trying to, they actually scope him out before all the murders. They find him at a Greyhound bus station. Like he hadn't talked to the family in six months and he's he's coked out and they try to get him home. I mean, it's just like crazy shit, but. Wow. So I know that was kind of wow. fast paced. No, it was, it was well done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're going to finish it up next episode, but not today. I'm tired. During the week. Yeah. yeah. But we're going to finish up with his capture and we're going to do one one more murder. Yeah. So I hope you guys like that. Richard Ramirez. That's crazy. Not like a huge uh, fan, but he's got a lot of fans, a lot of fans. And you know, most serial killers do. I don't know if you guys know this, but when Ted Bundy was in trial, you know, women love true crime. I was going to say this earlier, but women, several women would sit at the front row in the courtroom and they would be brunettes and they would part their hair the same because they knew Ted Bundy liked his victims with parted hair, you know, because Ted Bundy, he liked his victims to look like his ex-girlfriend yeah. and she had that parted hair. Mm-hmm. So they would all be sitting in the courtroom with all, all like lookalikes, all lookalikes with parted hair Weird. to attract this man. The fuck? Like, it's almost like they don't understand that, like, it's not just like, ooh, he'd be attracted to me. Like, he would be attracted to kill you. Right. Like, to torture you. Like, well, you would be harmed. Like, you don't want to get harmed. You just want to have sex with this man. That's that's not the, that's not how they think. That's not, that's not. It's not the same thing. Not the same. Well, how about this? Richard Ramirez got married in prison to a woman with a very high IQ, multiple college degrees, very smart woman, 154 IQ, I think, and a virgin who was saving herself for Richard and they got married. She said that if they put him to death, she'd kill herself. Did she? No, he he didn't get put to death. He died of natural causes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus Christ. What the fuck (laughs) is wrong with people? (laughs) What? When you know, you know. So I don't know. I know that was kind of, I had to get the background in somehow. Yeah. No, I'm glad you, I'm I'm glad you went through it yeah. as disturbing as it was. Because like, it matters to know, like, how did this person become this person? It, and it's hard to hear because, like, he did awful, awful things. But it, his upbringing did not help. Like, yeah. it, like, it's like you feel bad that he had, that he went through everything that he went through. And it's like, almost like he was groomed to become what he became. Yeah. But at the same time, he made those decisions, you know? So it's like, right. you feel bad for the, who he was, what, what he went through as a victim, but then he victimized other people. And I don't think that, you know, I, I, on one hand, yes, like, it's like, okay, this is what you do. This is, this is normal. But on the other hand, he was having these thoughts and was like, oh no, like Jesus wouldn't like this. And even if it's like Jesus or right. no power, who Whoever, like you have some inkling that like this is not normal and and it's hard because also in the 70s when he's growing up in the in the 80s when he starts to commit those crimes like I've said before 
like during that time period, um, like getting help for mental health issues and, and having that outlet is not as the way it is today. But you still made a decision. Like you still were like, oh, I'm going to rape and kill these people and I'm going to stalk these people and I'm going to rob their houses and do these drugs and, but and he, all these he things. He didn't do anything wrong, according to him. That's what I'm saying. He didn't do anything wrong. He was doing what his religion told him to do. Do whatever makes you happy. So that was what was making him happy. And he that's why he never showed any remorse because he didn't have any. You know what I'm saying? So to him, it wasn't... I mean, what is good and evil anyway? You know, that's just like constructs that we put on our, ourselves. You can't... You, you see a dog kill another dog. You think that dog's evil? I mean, no. Like, we only think it's evil because we decided a long time ago that you shouldn't kill each other. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I hear ah. what you're saying. But you can see, like, why he ran when he thought Jesus was intervening. He believed it. Yeah, he believed it. I mean, look at look at his dad. Like, light one when the witch doctor healed him yeah. instantly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he, I don't know. That's crazy. It's tough. Tough. But at the same time, I I don't feel sorry for the decisions that he made. I don't feel like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I still don't think he's a good person. Anyway, so that is. And that's not to say, now, I just want to, sorry, before you sign off, I don't want people to think I'm being a hypocrite. I don't think he's a good person, but that doesn't mean that that's not for me to judge. I'm not the judge. I'm not the final judge, but I don't think he's a good person. I also don't think he's a good person. How's that? Yeah. I don't know. I probably wouldn't hang out with him. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even brush his teeth. That's fucking gross. I know. That's gross. But you know what's funny is that we we do this presentation um, every year for our students about Aaron's Law, which is a law. I'm not going to go in the whole spiel, but we at at one point we talk about like cyber... um, like technology and and how to be careful on the internet and all all of this and and there are like the number of people like more people own a cell phone than a toothbrush. <laughs> that's funny. Wow. Isn't that gross? Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. Get your priorities that's straight. That's crazy actually. I mean, like toothbrushes cost like a dollar. Do you think cell phones probably should... $3 now with inflation, but like you can get some at the dollar store. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. It's not hard. Brush your teeth. Do you think cell phones are becoming like a staple though? Like I think I think there's certain things that the government should provide free internet cell phones because we need them now you can't live without them you can't yeah you can make that argument about water and electricity yeah. too though mm-hmm. and the, no one's paying for that shit yeah I know but well water people pay for you yeah. go to the uh, library and I, what I'm use saying the is internet like the government's not gonna pay for that they would if everyone starts freaking dipping in the local fountains and shit you know what do you no because they used to have bathhouses and like that's not changed the fact that we all have utility bills yeah that's you in the wrong country if you're expecting that yeah well anyway thanks guys yeah so this is day 18 17 17 live streaming every day you sound so excited I am excited it's fun we're getting better we got most of the bugs out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we're getting the cameras even looking better I'm getting some more lenses coming yeah Sweet. So, yeah. I I did want to also comment on the lights. Like you guys sync them; they're like changing colors at the same time, the same colors. Yeah, I, I didn't want to sync them, but I think they got synced automatically. Oh well, they look good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. All right, all right. We'll catch you later on this week. Well, I guess tomorrow for some headlines. Yeah. So be sure to post some, and we'll see you then. All right. Yeah, and we also got other episodes we got to do this week for you guys. So yep. All right. Well, Wrapping t- up Richard Ramirez. Until next time. Good night, you lovely, lovely people. run this shit.